I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. The podcast is currently brought to you by Waterfall Plastic Free Baby Wipes, which contain 99.9% purified water and are both fragrance free and alcohol free. The wipes are made from natural cellulose plant fibres, making them so much softer and kinder to delicate skin. Waterfall Baby Wipes are hypoallergenic, having been extensively tested by dermatologists and are approved by the Skin Health Alliance and Allergy UK accepted by the National Eczema Association and are also certified by Cruelty Free International and the Vegan Society. Waterfall Baby Wipes are 100% plastic free, 100% biodegradable and 100% compostable. Breaking down in a matter of weeks, they are the best choice for our planet and also your baby's future. Available for purchase in Tesco, selected super values and can be bought in bulk size on Amazon. Kindful, mindful and waterful. Just a little reminder again about our space. I popped up in last week's episode, just a reminder to subscribe and join the membership whenever you can. There is also an app called Spaces by Wix where you can chat away much easier and post up pictures of pre-loved items that you want to share or sell on the app. So I will leave a link in the show notes if you want to sign up. In this week's episode, I share my chat with Laura who talks me through her two pregnancies and births. So Laura was induced with her first baby. It wasn't the experience that she hoped or expected and she definitely felt, she definitely had a tough time um, in those early postpartum days. She then was diagnosed with pregnancy depression when she was expecting her second baby and she talks through the symptoms of that and how after she got the help that she needed, she felt a complete turnaround within two weeks. She chats to us about preparation for this next labour and birth show. So she took on the services of Jen Crawford, who is one of the co-founders of Dudica Ireland and who showed her amazing support. She had a really uh, 
positive experience with a lot a lot of support around her when she kind of went in with an adjustive mindset after COVID kind of threatened to shake things up for her. Uh, she was nervous about labouring alone as any of us would be. Her little girl was admitted to NICU after being diagnosed with sepsis and a urinary tract infection which I will let her tell you more details about. So this is a really really good episode with lots in it. Thank you so much Laura for sharing as much as you did. Enjoy. So, Laura, you are very welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> if you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family. Okay, so my name is Laura. I'm married to my husband, Philip, for the last four years. Uh, we're going out since we're like 19 or 20, so it's been a long time. And we have two daughters. So I have Isla, who's three years and three months, to be specific. And I have Imogen, who's 19 months. And we're living together in Dublin. Oh yeah, our kids are the exact same ages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, it's perfect. Bedtime should be done, but it is not done. My husband took over. Um, so living in Dublin and yeah, like my the background to me was that I trained as a doctor and that was back in God, 2013, I think it was. Moved around loads, ended up doing pathology with the lab type of doctor. So it's, you know, chopping up organs and microscopes and autopsies, that kind of thing. And had my first daughter, went back to work for a couple of months, um, got pregnant again. And I never went back after the second one. And I've since been a stay-at-home mom and trained to be a doula. So oh, wow, I've cool. kind of changed my life a lot and that's probably just based on you know my experiences and things like that yeah and um, but that's kind of that's kind of me in a, a nutshell so will we dive into your first pregnancy yeah so we got married in November 2017 and was pregnant in December 2017 so we were one of those those lucky people and yeah. I knew I knew really early on that I was pregnant I was convinced and I kept saying well, I'm definitely pregnant you know the way but I, I mean who knows like might have been imagining everything so didn't did a test pregnant happy days um everything was just it was really happy and had the old usual tiredness sickness um but overall, it was just a really happy, exciting time and nothing kind of complicated happened. The start was all very straightforward, um, which was really nice, um, obviously. Um, and then I had all these ideas I was going to do hypnobirthing. So I did a course and it was over a couple of weekends. I uh, read loads of positive birth books that kind of fell down that positive birth rabbit hole. Um, you know, like the more you read, then your algorithm yeah. throws up more and more. And so um, that was my big plan. And I wanted it to be super unmedicated and super fabulous. And um, I suppose as pregnancy went on, I was working in a busy job. My hours were long. I was just very tired all the time. Bracks and Hicks started happening really early and they'd be telling, you know, you know, have a rest and make sure you're doing this and you're doing that. And I'd be kind of thinking, well, I just can't. I was just flat out. Um, so as it went on, then I got SPD and I had a bad kind of pelvis and my vision went blurry. And I just kind of near the end, I feel like things kind of got um, got a lot, lot harder. But um, in the early days, which was a nice thing, was like there was a website called Roller Coaster for the ups and downs yeah. of pregnancy and parenting. I went on that and the other way there's like um, forums for the month that you're due so I logged into September 2018 I think it was and they had a Facebook group and I joined that and there I met other moms that were due in Ireland in September 2018 and they became like my buddies and came 
you know, we did everything. <laughs> we did everything together. We didn't. We just spoke about everything at the same time. You know, it was all the the early pregnancy stuff, and then it was the twelve week scans, and then it was the um, bump photos, and then it was all the questions like, "Oh, girls, what does this mean?" or "Has anyone had this?" or um, so that made my pregnancy really nice. Um, and it was that first time pregnancy, you know, where everything's just very exciting and new, and everyone's just so happy for you, and you just feel like a celebrity a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like everywhere you go, I'm like, oh, let me tell you all about me and pregnancy. Um, so I needed loads of the bump photos. You know, I have a million of them. It was like, you know, days later, just in case it changed. I've like loads and loads of them. Um, but that Facebook group was really nice, and we still are friends, and we WhatsApp groups like oh, some brilliant. groups that are still on the go, and the kids are so big now, and they're all in play school and stuff. So like, it was really nice. It was kind of worth the effort at the time, and so through later pregnancy, I started getting episodes of reduced movements. Do you know where you just aren't feeling the movements that you're supposed to be feeling, and you're humming and hawing about what to do. So I was in and out and in and out um, about those. And in the end, that's why I ended up being induced along with having low fluids. So I think I felt like my pregnancy was very straightforward in the beginning and then it kind of just starts to get kind of like messy near the end. Um, so with, so if you were reading loads of books and you'd got you done your hypnobirthing, you were obviously prepared. Um, hmm. So to, had, did you have a list of preferences? I I did and I didn't. First, my preferences were absolutely unmedicated, no medical intention. Now, this is from someone who also signed up for private care. And being a doctor, I'm very, I think I'm quite a risk averse person. So it was it, it kind of was a lot of contradictions there. But in the end, the only thing on my birth preferences was please avoid forceps if at all possible. Okay. And that was the only thing that I kind of communicated. It was the only thing that was really important to me because um I don't know. I just had it in my head. You know, you kind of sometimes get focused on something. That was kind of my main, my main focus. So I, I thought I would have all this, this, you know, typed out sheet. I actually didn't in the end. And I regret that I did on my second, but on my first, I just, um, I think my expectations were really high and I thought it was going to go a certain way. And then when it didn't go that certain way, it, that's what kind of made it difficult. So I don't know. It's, I mean, regrets aren't that helpful. Um, but Yeah. Will we talk about your early signs of labor? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I um, so the, I was getting the reduced movements. So I was in and out and I went in, what was it? It was maybe a Friday. I was going to be due on the Monday and I kept having these episodes and I'd go in and the baby was sleepy and it was kind of humming and hawing about what to do. And, you, you know, they check everything out and get home. And but I was very on edge. So then I think was over the weekend it happened again and it was getting longer periods and I was kind of getting a little bit more worried about it but at the same time I was thinking it would be fine so I went in on the Monday morning and went into the is it fetal assessment thing like that and they did my fluid was getting lower and lower um mm-hmm. so then at that point I'd had loads of reduced movements then and you know it was kind of put to me that maybe baby's safer out than in you know those kind of in your and at the time I mean I was just so freaked out that I would have agreed to anything you know that yeah. kind of way so um, moved over to he'd said pack a bag and just have it in the bag have it in the boot just in case because I was like a yo-yo in and out um, and then moving over to the antenatal ward and that was where I was going to get a gel and all that but I was I mean I've got great photos where I'm there at my lunch and my thumbs are up and I'm just oblivious to what was going to happen you know it was all very um I was still excited you know that kind of way and um, so first gel went in and that was at maybe nine in the morning ten o'clock and 
I kind of I hung around all day. My husband was allowed to be there because this was pre-COVID and um, the ward was just very busy. And I think maybe five o'clock, six o'clock, nothing had really happened. On reflection, I now realized that I was in and out of the toilet the whole time. So that was something. But I thought I just didn't know. really. Anyway, so put another gel in. And I had I was wearing the wrong nighty, and I really caught up on the fact that I was wearing the wrong nighty. I just thought I had all night to be changing into my my lovely nighty that I was going to get birth in. So instead, like I still think about, it. and then I ate birth in the same one the next time because I was like, well, now it's special. But anyway, so uh, it just took off, and it was just it was like I felt like a rocket, and I was I went from being you know totally fine to walking the floors, I walked and walked and walked, and I just was it was like you know you get overcome with this. I don't know, just I had to keep walking and walking. Um, but I don't think I was managing it very well. And it turns out then I think I was overstimulated. I was getting prostate pains. I didn't know at the time. I just was all hypnobirthing went out the window, everything went out the window. And instead I just walked around my poor husband trail behind me, you know, telling me you're doing a good job and me shouting at him. And, you know, eventually at some point a midwife was saying, You look like you're working really hard. Will we examine you kind of thing? And they examined me and I was, I think I was only one centimeter and I'd been walking for hours. So I freaked out and um, so disappointed the other way and um, kept going. I think I had a shower um, and all I did was complain that my front was cold when the back was being sprayed to me and then the back was cold, the front was cold, the back was cold. Um, so I just, I don't think I handled it very well. And I was just very terrified and panicked and stuff. Um, and eventually moved me to the labor ward. And I remember at the time being like, but if I'm not in labor, they said it was one centimeter. So why am I being moved to the labor ward if I'm not in labor? I was like, and I couldn't really under make sense of it. So anyway, they were like, maybe an epidural, you know, what do you think? And at that point I was like, oh my God, yes. If I'm one centimeter and I'm still, I'm really not coping. So they put the epidural in and it was no sooner in that baby was almost there and a big flurry and get her consultant babies coming and they're getting the baby thing ready. And I'm like, you said I was one centimeter. Um, and epidural is in and started pushing. And it was actually very, once the pushing started and I, I kind of it just felt way more in control then or something. I, I knew I had this job and I was going to do it. I was going to do it well because that's just how I do things. Um, so it was really fine and pushed her out and it was happy days. I think second degree tear. And <laughs> there's like a video of me like shouting down, what degree tear? In a big kind of like a, like knowing too much panic kind of it's like it's only second degree calm down and um, so stitch me up and yeah it, it all just moved really really fast it was just I was not expecting it to just take off the way it did I thought I had all night I thought you know the way they tell you like induction these can take you know days and I was yeah. the risks that were presented to me were very much like this it could end in a c-section you know you're barely at your due date you're not favorable um c-section c-section at no point anyone point out this also might go the other way and you might just you know I didn't need oxytocin didn't need my water's broken none of that you know um so yeah I think I was just in shock and I look I remember and that's why I kind of have a fascination with transition now yeah. I remember transition and I remember it happening and being thinking I was the coldest person in the world and why was nobody giving me a blanket and I was shouting about the, the windows and I was like close those windows and my husband had a fan that I bought on Amazon this pink cute thing because I'd all these hopes you know and I'm like get that effing fan away from me and like I was like this is never doing this again and and then I just remember like getting the shakes and now I'm like oh that was transition I so much me you're in transition and I would have been like oh my god this is transition maybe I wouldn't have maybe I would just still have been the same but um yeah I just it all went very fast I think it just gave me a big shock yeah and she was fine and technically I was fine so you know I think people were all just kind of like well isn't that great everything's fine I'm kind of like oh I don't Mm -hmm. think I'm fine um 
So I kind of was after that, I was like, oh, never again, never, never, never. I'm sure. I mean, I've, I've had two kids. I have another kid. So, I mean, <laughs> I forgot eventually. But So um, how did you feel after that? Like, did, did, you know, you had just had a baby, the adrenaline is flying. I was furious because I remember when I moved to the labor ward, I told them they gave me gas and air and I said, this is broken. And they're like, yeah, 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 no, just suck the gas and air. Yeah, 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 you'll be okay. And I'm like, no, no, it's broken. It doesn't work. This is crap. This is useless. And I just became very irrational and probably very difficult. I'm, I, I probably would not easy to like when I'm in labor, but um, they eventually realized that it was broken. There was something wrong with the yoke on the wall. Oh, and then okay. um, they were like, oh no, it's not coming out. And then in comes a canister, they wheel it in. And so I, I was clocking all these things I was being mad about. So yeah. um, I think once she'd come out, looking at her and I couldn't believe she was mine. And I, and I was like, I knew I, I, I had wanted to be a mother since I was born. And I was looking at her thinking, I just, she could be anybody. And you know, that kind of way where they're like, this is your baby. And people had prepped me being like, you're going to feel this rush of love. And I just didn't. I just was like, so glad it was over and just shell shocked. And I was looking at her kind of, yeah, I was in, I have to mind this baby, God. Um, so yeah, it was really weird. It was, I think it was, I've since realized a huge gap between my expectations and what actually happened, the reality. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was that gap that I think created a lot of the problem. I had a vision in my mind and there didn't seem to be any flexibility in that. So when it, when it didn't go as I imagined or I planned and later they said to me, um, they were like, um, doctors don't make good patients. A lot of the time they don't like not being in control. They don't like when they're not they don't know what's going on. And so when it was said to me, after, I was like, well, yes, I would relate to a lot of that. I just, I didn't like the loss of control. I didn't like not understanding what was going on. And I didn't like when there was sometimes, you know, conversations happening. I wanted to be privy to, but yeah, it wasn't time to include me, you know? So I think once it was all over, I was just glad it was over. And, um, I kind of, I think I said to my husband, I was like, never again. We planned on having millions of kids and I was like, never. Um, but yeah, it was just shocking. But I wanted to breastfeed her. That was really, really important. I'd read loads of books and I was I was ready and she latched fine and it was it was it was grand except the pain started really early on and I had vasospasm and she had a tongue tie, but I was so anxious and so I couldn't I couldn't bear to snip it and we kind of just kept going on and I got home. I, I hope not this isn't jumping ahead, but we got home the next day, I think it was. She was born on juice on the Monday um born she born just just turning into Tuesday anyway so Sunday the in-laws were all over and I suddenly stopped making a lot any sense I felt really sick and just weird and I remember this kind of just being very confused and I started putting all these dressing gowns on myself and I tried to get into bed and my mother came to stay you know the way sometimes mothers do that to like help out and stuff thank god um and I think I was on day four or five so the hormones had changed and I was crying and I was just uh, oh bless me but anyway so I'm in the bed and I'm making no sense and I'm very confused and I'm talking gibberish and they're thinking what's wrong with her and I had temperature and I felt really unwell but I just assumed everybody felt like that I was like well I've just given birth of course I feel unwell um, no. And my husband rang Hollis Street and was like, okay, my wife is now hiding in the bed. She's a temperature and she's got multiple dressing gowns, insisting she's fine under the duvet. Um, and they were like, we need to bring her in. So he drove me in and kind of really fell in the door. I was just so unwell. And there was a bit of a panic and they were like, oh, they thought I, I they had an infection anyway. And they, they thought I was septic and as in sepsis. And oh, it was all a bit kind of a panic about the whole thing and swabbing everywhere and starting on antibiotics and I just remember being very kind of out of it. So once they kind of calmed calm the situation down and they gave me a load of stuff, it's all kind of a blur. They told me that I couldn't bring her in. They, I had to stay in. 
So then I bawl and crying. No, I don't want to. And they said, no, you can bring your baby with you. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. But, like, but you're not well enough to mind her, so you can't. So kind that I can, you know, in an ideal world, you could, but you can't because you're not well enough to mind her. So I had to be admitted and she had to stay at home and it became this big thing. And I, because I was separated, I think that impacted breastfeeding as well because then, now my supply was hit. She wasn't feeding around the clock and I was unwell as well. Um, so I was kind of pumping and sending milk home. My mom was trying to bring her in and it was all just, so the stressful. start was just really rocky. I mean, it's, I don't think it's easy for anybody, but you just... Yeah. Just, just I'm like oh shivers but there was loads of lovely parts in amongst all that and I have like gorgeous photos and happy times and you know the first bath and the first this and the first that and like that there's I mean all the the upset and the anxiety and the stress and all that kind of around it doesn't doesn't take from that other part of it but it was just the two things were happening at once it was definitely um just crash land into the land of motherhood you know and so I had I had um a lactation consultant from out to the house a private woman and she was so nice and um, and then the HSC one, lucky where I was living at the time, I wasn't living where I'm living now. There was a HSC lactation consultant. Brilliant. And I tried to make it. Yeah. I went to one of the public health nurse support groups. And I remember going, it was, I was day 16 postpartum. I was so worked up by breastfeeding. And so I gave her a big load of formula before I went in case they'd, I'd have to breastfeed in front of anybody at the breastfeeding group. And I remember just being like on the way. I mean, like looking back, I can kind of laugh. And I'm like, oh, you poor thing. You're on the way to a breastfeeding support group. And just the panic around the whole thing that I was like just filling the baby with formula trying to get there and when I got there they realized I was in trouble and I needed help and so they sent a lactation consultant out to the house to me a few times and she pep talked to me and kind of got me through and the women that were there as well I just learned loads from them and I just kind of sat there I remember just I was crying in the corner and I was just watching all these women I think I was yeah I was day 16 I remember and they were just all feeding and everything was just you know, everybody was kind of getting on with it. And I was like, okay, they feed loads and they're doing this and she's doing that and she's being nice. And then there was talk of like a coffee afterwards. And so I kind of latched onto these women and they became my boob buddies, we called them. We had a little WhatsApp group. We go for lunches and coffees and they kind of just got me through that beginning. My mum planned on staying a couple of days. I think she was there weeks. Um, and then eventually it all just got a whole lot easier. Um, I kind of said to myself before I talked about this, I'm like, I'm not going to make it really negative because I mean, no pregnant person who's listening to this wants to hear, oh, it's terrible. So I'm trying to balance it with, you know, the realness of what actually happened with, you know, it was definitely lots of happy times amongst all that. You just, um, I don't want to. For me, everything that you're saying is so relatable. <laughs> I remember that first meeting it was a breastfeeding support group and I remember being really nervous that they were going to weigh him because I didn't want to have to strip him down in front of other people and then struggle to get his little legs back into the baby grow and then being worried that I was like bending his legs in front of people so no I I I remember that first meeting and how nervous I was as well yeah and back to the first private lactation consultant came out of the house and she was kind of asking me how I'm coping and I I, at that time I was really worried I was going to hurt her in some way and I was absolutely obsessed and I was saying to, the, saying to her, you know, and she start, she was kind of nodding like, yeah, you know, this is a thing. And I'm like, oh, this is a thing. And it kind of felt like a safe person to start being like, I'm really worried about this and this and also this and this. And she was like, yeah, you know, this is this is OK. Like, OK, it's not OK, but, it's you know, it, she wasn't shocked. Yeah. So I was saying that, you know, when I walk down the stairs, I'm thinking, what if I just decide oh, yeah. to throw her down the stairs as I walk? What, like, what if I put her hand in the cup? And I was saying this to my husband, he's just looking at me like, what? You, why would you put her hand in the cup? And I'm like, because of these are the thoughts I'm having. I was just... Mm. I remember at the time thinking, this is mental. This can't be, this can't be normal. Do you know, I had such an idea of what motherhood was going to be like. And I remember him saying to me, but look, I mean, you'd die for her, wouldn't you? And I remember looking at him thinking, 
Um, yes. I, you know, my mouth was saying yes, but I was kind of thinking, I'm just so lost in this whole situation. I don't know. Um, and then I, I eventually, when I was going to one of the breastfeeding support groups later weeks, I had to I was come along the path and I'm there with the buggy and I'm all stressed out. And you know, the way you're trying to get everything out the door and you just don't know what you're at. And I was like, please don't poo on the way. Please don't poo on the way. Anyway. And I saw this van was blocking the way and I had to step out onto the road to get around it. And I remember I peeped first and I let the buggy in. And I remember this, like the, the moment is just so vivid. And I was like, Oh, I put myself first. I probably would die for her. <sighs> and I remember going in and I was upset <sighs> for the whole rest of what it probably, I mean, to anyone else, you're like, what are you talking about? But it was just a moment where I was like, oh no, I think I'm getting this. I think I'm starting to bond. And someone said to me as well, bonding is a process, Absolutely. not an event. And it. it's, like, it's a process, it's a process, it's a process. I'll get there. And now, oh my God, I just, oh, I worship a grand she walks on. Um, but that's even more valid when you go from yeah. ba- from one to two. Like, you because you're yeah. like no obviously I love number one far more than I love number two because I don't know number two yet do you yeah. know and that's okay <laughs> do you know yeah you're like I need even worrying about I hope I love my second do I have enough love and I'm now I'm like oh my god yeah. yes there is plenty of love um so um, but I, I found the nighty since and it was this cheapy pennies nighty with a cat on the front of it and sequins. It was very impractical for giving birth in. But I just <laughs> I had my, my tens on in the early labor. And I remember just thinking, oh, sure, I'm going to this and I put my beautiful like set I had anyway. But I found it and it's got stains on the back of it from labor, whatever. And I just, oh, lovely. Was, I, I loved it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm keeping this forever. You know, so I did. And then when for my second, I packed it and I was like, this is my, it was really impractical for, impractical for skin to skin because right to my neck, whatever. I was like, no, no, I'll just pull it up because also when you're second, you care less. So I was like, I'll just take yeah. everything off and do skin. <laughs> you know, and so, no, it was, I, I'm, you know, it was very, it was very difficult. I felt kind of alienated in that I didn't know that other people found it that hard. Yeah. Like anyone I talked about kind of thought, well, you isn't your, well, aren't you fine? And baby's fine. And, you know, and I was kind of thinking, like, well, y- in theory, yes. But I just felt like I was through, went through this horrible thing and was just stuck with it because I didn't like nobody couldn't tell anybody about it. And I remember the public health nurse used to come out and they did that Edinburgh postnatal depression scale score thing. I mean, they used to be always asking me these questions like you're scoring very high, but it'll probably be fine. And at some point, I remember the GP phoned me. I just got tired of answering questions and I was like, no, I'm fine. I was like, oh no, that's all blown over. You just, I just kind of felt, I just gave up. It was like, there's only so many times I could say I'm finding X, Y, Z difficult. Um, and it, it obviously just all blew over eventually, but I regret that as well. And it was, I was flagging up that I wasn't doing so well and it was kind of nobody really thought to do anything about it. Um, so like, yeah, it was all just, it was all just a very tricky time. And do you think you suffered from postnatal um, anxiety or depression? Yeah, like I must have. Um, yeah. Because looking back, I'm like, there's no way that what I went through was not, I don't quote unquote normal because I mean, what does that mean? But I think I, I was, look, I think I was probably just very traumatized by the whole event and I was just shook yeah. after it. And it, I had loads of repercussions. Um, I don't really know. But there's like little things I remember um, when I was in labor, I hadn't wanted anything and they were offering me pethidine. I was like, absolutely not. Um, and then at some point I decided I want that pethidine. So I sent my husband up and was like, she's changed her mind. She wants the pethidine. So I went back to my waters had popped, you know, they, they actually popped an explosion. It was like, I wish I could bottle that feeling. It was like the weirdest, coolest feeling ever. But anyway, they popped. And um, so I thought she'd gone off to get the pethidine and I'm waiting and waiting and laboring and screaming. And 
she didn't come back for ages and ages and when she did she smelled like smoke and I remember thinking oh. at the time I was so angry I was like you went for a break you I thought I was getting pethidine and you went for now she's entitled to a break and that was fine it was just I didn't understand that she was going for a break I thought the pethidine which was going to save my life was coming you know that kind of way so it was yeah. all these little things that I very preoccupied with after the birth I kept thinking about I kept thinking about being separated from her I kept thinking about when I was admitted I was relieved to be separated I was like oh thank god I don't have to mind my baby and then thinking I'm a terrible mother because I'm relieved that I don't have to mind my baby but also at the same time missing her like I, I brought her vest with me and I was sniffing in bed and I was trying to pump I didn't know how and I was all just like all over the shop so um oh when I went in for the, when I had the infection actually so I was admitted and I was in for I think it's only three days. It was really good. Anyone who looked at me, I was begging them to go home. And I was like, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And they said, once you're 36 hours without a temperature, you can go home and you can switch to oral antibiotics. So like tablet antibiotics. So um, the moment they said I could go, I was like, go, go, close on, out of here. And I think I went home in a taxi and I just like bundled in the door. I was just so glad. Um, but it could have gone, I got a lot worse. I mean, I think I caught the infection early enough. They scanned me and they looked for retained products of, you know, if there's a bit of placenta left or anything like that, but there wasn't. Um, it was just an infection of my the lining of my uterus and it happens okay. and it was kind of like one of those things yeah that was what it was in the end so they swabbed everywhere and I had to give you a sample of breast milk which I'd never hand expressed before so I remember them I'm sitting in the emergency department I was like how do I get the milk to get out you know I'm like oh I'm just so lost so yeah they swabbed everywhere they could have been nicer to me they were they mammied me so much and they were so kind and off I went and I was fine in a couple of days and I recovered at home and continued the antibiotics and over time, breastfeeding got way easier. Um, I think it hurt for months, but I used those silver caps, you know, those, oh, yeah. what are they called? Oh, silver they're amazing. <laughs> oh, those, yeah. Anyone who, any of my friends are pregnant, like, oh my God, they're amazing. Get them. Um, but eventually kept going, loved breastfeeding. It was the easiest thing in the world. It went from the beginning of like low supply because of separation, faffing around, chopping up a formula, pumping, all that kind of like messy beginning to just exclusively feeding her everywhere we went. It was just so handy, it was so great. So like, it was just the best thing ever. So like a lot of the diff- upsets that I'd had early on were kind of fixed as we got later on. And I kind of, I got to do the things I wanted or, you know, be the kind of mammy that I wanted or it was little things, you know, um, so it all got easier and yeah and at some point I decided sure let's do it again <laughs> now it seems like a good time as any when I went back to work I was trying to pump in work and it all was just a disaster so in the end I, I went back only three days a week so it was really nice and I just fed her when I was off and then when sorry so I fed her when sorry when I was not working and when I was in there I pumped for a few weeks and sent a milk home and I just gave up then and my boobs coped fine it was grand so we found out I was pregnant on number two on my first birthday. And I had been convinced that I was pregnant for days before we tried. So we were like, okay, let's try for a baby. And we were just lucky again. And we were like, how many, how have we not gotten pregnant by accident up until now? Do you know? And sorry, Laura, were you still breastfeeding? Yes. Oh, you were? So I just thought, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I just thought it would take us ages. I thought we better start now. God knows this could be going on for, who knows? you never know. Do you know the way? And I'd heard all the stories. I thought, oh, you're fine on the first, but they had problems on the second or, you know, problems on the first yeah. and the second. I was like, you never know. So I was like, we'll start now. And but then it happened straight away. Um, and I was convinced I was pregnant. I kept doing tests. He's 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 like, wait until you're past your expected period. And I'm like, no, sneaking off, buying tests, doing them and stuff. So I was convinced. And I came down on it was her birthday morning. And I just like had the test. And we were like, oh, my God. And we were jumping around the kitchen. And it was all just so exciting. Like, you're going to be a sister. I was like... So just so happy in the beginning and yeah, just over the moon, very, very wanted baby. 
And then after a while, I think I remembered that I was going to have to do it again. And I hadn't thought about that. I kind of just blanked that bit out or something. I'm not really sure what happened. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it started where I just, I lost my appetite. I like, I couldn't, I was probably, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I found no joy in anything. I'd be with my toddler and I just felt nothing. It was like time slowed down and I'd watch the clock tick and I was like, this is, it was the weirdest thing. I was totally stuck. And I found I was in work and it all happened really fast. Um, I was in work and I was looking at a sheet and something I would do all the time, really basic thing. And I could see all the words jumbling and I was like, oh my God, my brain doesn't work anymore. And I was kind of looking at thinking there's something really wrong. And I was really tearful. I was crying in work and I don't usually cry in work weird to see me crying work so I was there and I, ha- I wasn't eating wasn't sleeping and I wasn't putting it together at all and I was looking at this and I was thinking there's something wrong with me I'm getting brain down this kind of crazy stuff going through my head couldn't understand it so I rang my obstetrician from work crying I think I'm in the bathroom or something he asked me loads of questions he was like I think you have pregnancy depression and I was kind of like what um and he was like this is actually really common and I was like is it I, I probably should know this as a doctor but um I didn't um, and he was like, it's probably even more common than, than postnatal. Um, so he wanted me to see the, the psychiatrist, you know, the perinatal psychiatrist. Who's amazing, apparently. <gasps> yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, he's a, he is. Um, so I was like, okay. And he's like, you're not fit to be in work. And I was like, well, evidently I'm crying in work. It, super, it felt super unprofessional and just, but it all had happened really fast. It felt like. Um, but looking back, I'm like, my milk was drying up. And I wonder, was there some big hormonal shift? Hormonal, like, yeah. Did that kick it off or whatever happened? Anyway, so he's like, you need to go home. And I was like, okay. I was trying to like pack up my stuff. And I was just so out of it. I was just not myself. And um, so I, he sent me home and my family were great. Like my mom, oh my God, she just jumped into action. I was like, there's something really wrong with me. I don't know what this is. Anyway, so um. I went in and saw him and I remember even going up the steps of Hall Street. I was trying to get up the steps and I was just shaking and I was panicking. And all I had to do was get up to the, and I was thinking, oh my God, maybe it's the birth, the other birth, or, you know, I was just totally worked up and he was so, 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 so nice. He couldn't have been nicer to me. Um, and so it was the, like, I went probably a second time and stuck with the same guy. Um, mainly because I remember when he walked into the room on my first labor and I just felt so calm. And now I'm like, oh, it's when you have a continuous presence that you, you trust and it, that makes you feel better. I'm like, oh, um, anyway, so he explained, I, he asked me loads of questions and we chatted and we talked about the first birth and he, he said, I, you're, you're quite depressed. And, you know, I was kind of like, okay, but we'll, we'll go for, we'll have counseling. We'll do this. I'm not taking medication, yada, yada. And so it took him ages um, to try and explain. He was like, this is the type of depression that is not, we cannot talk this away. This is a biological depression. He was listing all the reasons why. And, and I was really afraid. I was like, I can't take medication. No, it's going to damage the baby. And I was just so anxious about I was afraid to move or something would happen. And um, so he took some thinking and I was like, I'm very into information. And that always calms me. And probably to the point where looking back after my first baby, I couldn't do anything without Googling at first and making sure mm-hmm. that it was the right thing to do, you know. So he sent me all those information about medication and about how it's kind of like you're baying up the risk and the benefit of taking medication when you're pregnant and it, you know, untreated depression versus um, taking medication. And he's like, kind of like in this situation, you know, it's better for you to have treated, to treat the depression than, to leave yourself un, you know, untreated. He was kind of saying, you know, as you go on further in pregnancy, like I wasn't bonding to the baby. I went for scans and I just looking at a screen and I could have just been, I don't know, just looking out the window of a train. I was like, oh yeah, 
just whereas I knew what it felt like on my first where I was like oh my god look at her kick look at her head look at her leg mm. you know felt nothing um so he sent me loads of information he emailed it to me and I looked it over and I was kind of asking other people what do you think and in the end I said okay well I don't want it to I don't I want to be in a good strong position when I give birth the next time so that I'm not anxious so anxious and so distraught and I was like I want to be in a really strong mental health place so I went I did get counseling as well but I took the medication and I swear in two weeks I was a different person it was like the lights came back on and I was like oh my god and I, and I remember thinking like I cannot believe I was trying to refuse this this is it it's I so badly needed it and I had no insight that I needed it, it was yeah very, yeah was back I'm like that was all so weird um yeah. And I was fine then. And I would go in for appointments. And I was like, I am very fine. I am back to myself. I am wasting a spot. I am so sorry. I do not need to be here. And so he kept me going for a while until he was like, you know, he was happy for me to just be in the background and kind of contact him if I needed it. Um, but I didn't. I was fine. Um, but he want, didn't want me to go back to work. And he was like, no, this is, you need to stay off. You need to kind of get ready with a baby impending, you know. So, um, yeah, it was crazy. But he said, looking back, that... um. I probably had some sort of untreated postnatal depression or anxiety or something after my first. And it was just, it kind of just simmered away and eventually got to a point where I was, you know, maybe I was scaffolded enough that people were getting me through or, um, mm. yeah. I debated talking about that as well because I was like, no, I don't, it's not that I, it's not that it's a big secret. My friends would all know. Um, and I did just suddenly disappear from work. So I'm sure they're wondering mm, something must've happened, you know, but, um, at the same time, if, I, I didn't even see it coming and I was like it's clearly not that uncommon and he said it's not that uncommon so there's probably yeah. people out there feeling similar and not realizing it or or think it's only happened postnatal when it, it can happen when you're pregnant you know um did your husband ever see anything or say anything or was there any conversations surrounding like the change in you at any point no he just it was kind of just very accepting of this the situation we're in okay well what like what should we do or and um, I think I went to the GP first and I think maybe actually it was in the interim, maybe it was between when the, he sent me home from work. Maybe I went to the GP um, and I remember she told me a book to get. Sure, I had no concentration for getting this book. I'd been like, sure, it looked to me. I'm not going to be able to read this book. I mean, the, the book, the book might've been good when you're kind of out of, in a better place. But at that yeah. point I was just, um, so I, I think I probably, I, it's all very blurry, but I remember coming home and I probably told him and he was like, oh, right. And um just very accepting of a kind of like all right so what, what we do next kind of thing and I was like oh well I, I'm I'm not fit to work and I'm going to go to the perinatal psychiatrist urgently and kind of go from there and he's kind of like, okay cool and then I they organized me a psychologist counselor near me I started seeing her and where but my family would have stepped in a lot so my mom would have come over and minded Isla so that I could go to these appointments yeah. or um so she so they like came over and helped mind her when I was there so that I could just sit in the corner and be a zombie because I just wasn't able to engage with her I mean I could do I could get her dressed or but I just there was just no um like the relationship was really affected because I just felt nothing like it was really it was really weird and I, I bounced back so fast as well for medication which I thought was like really weird uh, not weird because that's why they gave it to me but um, when you're on the receiving end of it and it works it's always I'm always a bit just like oh my, that's amazing and did you stay on the medication throughout your pregnancy okay yeah, yeah, yeah. And I stayed on an app as well. So it, it ended up, it was very messy after I had my second, I'll get to that in a minute. But um, so I had a bit of a wobble after that. And he, he was really. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com me just to kind of check in and I was kind of starting to go back the way I was but I think I was just so stressed at the time so I think he upped the dose a bit and um then I came off it soon after that once I was well long enough I was fine I, anyway so the rest of my pregnancy went was fine it was really good and I got started to get really excited and we couldn't pick a name at all we were just I'm the one who comes up with all the names and he was <laughs> just like, no no and, yeah, no, that is not a president's name. And I'm like, well, does she have to be a president? I knew it was a girl, sorry, because okay. I got the harmony test done around 13 weeks. Um, mostly deep down because I wanted to know if it was a boy or a girl and I had no patience. Um, but it was fine. Anyway, so we eventually settled on the name Imogen when I was about 20 weeks and it became our like secret and we named her and it, that was really yes, nice for me yeah. for bonding. And all, around that time as well, I, I stumbled across the word doula on Instagram or I think it was Instagram. And I'm being like, what's a doula? <laughs> so I Googled it and I was like, oh my God, how, how do I not know what this doula thing is? Um, so I went to my Facebook group for my four. I joined a new one now, like the equivalent was people due in May, 2020. So I was like, girls, does anyone have a doula? Does anyone know a doula? Like, is this mad? Is this whatever? Um, so a few people said they recommended Jen Crawford yeah. in doula care. And I, so I was like, okay, total stalker about it. Went on Instagram, was like, okay, watching videos. I was like, okay, I like this person. I can get along with this person. Um, said to my husband, I think I want to get a doula. I think mean, he, he was a bit like, whatever you want, honey. <laughs> um, I think he just, at this point, I'd made it very clear. The first birth was not cool. I was not happy after that. And I wanted to be different this time. So he was kind of like, whatever you want, um, within reason, you know, um, that's fine. So he was like, ran. So I contacted them and I, I think I messaged in millions of ways. I'm like, are you the same Laura that also emailed and also texted? And also I was like, yes, that's me. I'm just very keen. <laughs> so she rang me, we had a phone call. Um, I still remember it was at my parents' house. It was, was it over Christmas maybe. And from the moment speaking to her, she just listened to me talk a bit about the birth of Isla's birth and I just felt so much better it took my kind of stress and upset and anxiety around the whole thing 
just down from like 100 to 40. And it just took it way down. And I remember getting off the phone being like, oh my God. And I was just so upset and believed. And I was like, she said she'd be doula. And the main thing I wanted from her was in my next labor, when I'm freaking out, will you just calm me down? Because I was like, I think that's what happened. I spiral fast. Is if someone can just say, remind me to breathe. Like I've done all the work. I'll do all the work. And it's just, I'll panic. Someone just rein me in, please. So she understood all that. And she was just really validating and nice about the whole thing and listened. And like, you just really want to be heard. I just wanted someone to hear the birth story and say, Mm -hmm. that was crap. Sorry that happened. We'll make this one different, you know? So that was really good. Um, set up with her and the way it works is you get to text and email or yeah, email, I suppose, <laughs> phone call or things like that. And then there's a couple of formal sort of meetings where you go through. I debriefed my birth, first birth. Um, but like my husband is the son of a sheep farmer. So birth is very, he's very blasé about birth. You know, he's seen yos give birth a million times. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, just like that's. Whereas I haven't seen Yo's give birth. So he was still, you know, she asked him, you know, and did you, how did you find it? Did you find it traumatic at all? And he's like, no, it's grand. And I was like, oh, the difference, you know, between our experiences, yeah, we were both yeah. there at the same time, you know. So we did the hour, or no, it was a couple of hours and we went through debrief the birth, um, went through um, kind of what I wanted the next birth to be like, you know, did I have preferences? How would all comfort measures would I use in labor? She's like, what did you use in the last one? I was like, nothing. I just walked the walls or the, the halls of Hollow Street crying and screaming, falling all around the ground. Like I just, I had all these tools and I just didn't know how to access them. I just didn't know in the moment. Um, like I did hypnobirthing weekends and everything. I'd been doing practice, but I just, it just got away from me. So the doula, we just, planned it was going to be different and it was even you know thinking about if it was a c-section birth what do you want that to be like um and either way you're like oh but I'm not going to have a c-section birth I'm going to have a yeah. birth but you just like no someone needs to be like no this you know a third of you or whatever this is this might go to c-section let's let's think about that so I did and then I felt a lot calmer and I was like there was a plan a and a plan b and a plan c and what did I want in did I want to have bring in my birth preferences did I what did I want to put down and I wanted them short and sweet and I wanted the bare minimum in that if there's only a sheet of paper with three things on it, people will read it and they'll pay attention to it rather than me being like, here is my, you know, 12 page document. No one realistically in the Irish health service has time to read that. So I was, I was kind of very conscious of that, you know, and I also was afraid to want nice it to be nice because I didn't want to be let down again. So I kind of had some sort of resonation with it as well that I was like, well, this is probably going to be another crap thing you know and then I'd, I'd start to hope and think maybe it could be different and then I'd pull myself in and be like don't hope because so it's kind of this real tug of war so it was really nice having her in the background being like no no, no we can make this nice and sure then COVID hit in March so I was also at this time I'd done um I was doing I had been doing postnatal Pilates after Isla so I continued that and told them I was pregnant and they kind of just changed things a bit and let me stay so I was doing I was doing pregnancy Pilates and pregnancy yoga um COVID hit and um so it was all the big, you know, what's COVID? What's happening? Um, and the next thing we find out that doulas aren't allowed. And I'd written into the hospital being like, dear hospital, can I please have my doula present? Because blah, blah, blah. Then everyone replied to me because, I mean, the, the world exploded with COVID. So it went from being like, okay, well, this time I'm going to have my husband and my doula present to being like, this time I'm going to be laboring alone. And I remember just thinking, how have we gotten to this point where I'm, I might have to labor alone? And I was freaking out. So then I was thinking, I'm going to have a home birth. I'm like panically contacting private midwives Ireland being like, I need a home birth, a last minute home birth. And we organized a pool off a neighbor and I got, I, I ordered a, like a hose pipe. I was like, you need a food grade hose pipe. And I was getting myself all sorted. Um, and then I was kind of like humming and hawing. I was like, no, deep down, I know 
a woman needs to give birth where they feel happiest and safest. And I was like, I, I feel happiest and safest in a hospital. I was like, it is just, it is what it is. I kind of wanted, and I just knew what I would be like. So, um, we just changed my mindset about it. We were thinking, okay, well, you know, instead of thinking, you know, it's going to be fine because I'm going to have my doula there. I kind of got myself into the mindset. Well, I will be fine because I will be fine by myself and I can do this by myself. And I've done this before and I'm prepared. And, you know, I also knew how to advocate for myself better. I knew how to ask for what I wanted. I mean, I could have been buzzing midwives in left, right, and center. I never did because I always felt bad. I was like, no, 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 they're so busy. They're... And I was kind of thinking, well, do you know what? I was like, the problem when you don't ask for help is that you end up feeling very traumatized after it. I was like, maybe I should have gone to them and said, I am really not coping and I really need your support right now. But I never did that. I just was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't speak up. So I just had an attitude change and we kind of just trundled along and I was thinking, right, you're it was so out of our control. You know the way you, like, you had a pandemic baby, didn't you? Like you just, probably, you're at their mercy. What right? date where, where did you have your baby? Fourth of May. Oh, mine was the eighth. Yeah. So like, yeah, we were at all hit at the yeah. same. It was very, very, very strange time. No one knew what was going on. <gasps> so the whole thing was just like, what was going on? Yeah. So I started to get reduced movements again. And um, I was petrified I was going to need to be induced. And so I think I'd had, it was Saturday morning, I woke up, so I was 38 weeks and I woke up and she hadn't moved for most of the night and she's usually quite active. And I remember thinking, oh no, oh, don't start this again. I was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And time was passing. And I was thinking she is so slowed down. I was like, it's just, it's had become so faint and so infrequent. And I was kind of thinking, no, do all the tricks, lie on your left side, cold drink, jelly tox. And I kind of was like trying to do all the stuff that, you know, try to move your bump, whatever. And eventually I was thinking, I'm going to have to go in. I said, no, I can't go in. They'll try and induce me. And it was, I was just, I kind of got myself back into that fear place. Yeah. I, you know, because for, for a lot of pregnancy, I was like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be amazing. But I got myself back into this panic of like, no, I, you just avoid the hospital and then this isn't real. So I, I text the doula and she's kind of like, you, you like, come on, like you, like you need to go in and get checked. And I was like, thank you. Reality check. Okay, let's go. So I went in and they assessed me and baby was really sleepy and they're like, oh, maybe fluids, maybe this, they're feeding me and they were doing all this. And they were like, they couldn't really explain it. They scanned her and like, okay, everything looks okay, technically okay. But they were like, we admit you. I was like, no, I was like, why do you want to admit me? Um, you know, it was COVID, there was no visitors. I would have been by myself. I had a toddler at home. And I said, no, I don't want to be admitted. Um, like, why, why would you admit me? And they're like, well, we'll, you know, rescan in the morning. We'll do CTG again in the morning, you know, the trace. And I said, well, then I'll come back in the morning um, or if anything changes. So I really didn't want to be admitted. And I just was totally on edge. I was in there by myself. So I was freaking out. So went home and everything was still a lot quieter, but I was kind of a, a little bit reassured because I go, well, they've checked her out and, you know, she, you know, they were happy for me to go home. They wouldn't let me go home, you know, the way they wouldn't let me go home. And but I woke up on Sunday morning and it was the same thing. And I was like, oh my God, I was like really, really quiet in there. And I was thinking, oh God, what am I going to do? And I was get, building up being like, oh no, I was like term plus two episodes of reduced movements equals induction. I was like, it's, it's what's going to happen, you know? And so I contacted her again. I was all just totally upset and she was really nice and just kind of really just kind of hooshed me and like, really like, this is not something to sit on. This is not something to ignore kind of thing. Um, so I went down to my husband, he was making lasagna at the time. And I remember coming in, busting in the door and being like, we have to go to Hollis Street right now. And he was kind of like, yeah, yeah I'm just going to the cheese and the lasagna. And I was like, no, like now, like now, into the car, into the car. And I was all in a big flurry. And so we get in the car and I'm sitting in the car thinking, I this, like I've let go too long. And I was, I was just, I was up the wall. I just was so stressed. I've never moved my bump and had been ages. And I was thinking, she's actually, I was like, what have I done? This is all because I was afraid of induction. I was so mad at myself. 
So I like bundled in and he's not allowed in. I'm like, well, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, mad at the situation. So I went into the toilet and I remember I was in there trying to get a bump and eventually I felt a flicker. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, thank God. So they brought me in and they're very good. Like they bring you in straight away and they could have been nicer, straight up checked. And they were like, yeah, um, heartbeat and everything. I was like, thank God. Um, she was just really, really quiet. And there was just kind of no real waking her up. And they were kind of like, this isn't good. This baby needs to come out, yada, yada. Um, so saw one of the doctors and he was kind of happy to send me home. And he was like, all right, well, your appointment next week, off you go kind of thing. And I was, I was like, up until I'd seen him, all the midwives were really worried. And they were like, no, baby needs to get out. Like, this is not okay. Da, da, da. Um, and he was just telling me to just pack my bags, head off home and be grand kind of thing. And should tell your consultant next week. And I remember thinking, this is not okay. I'm not okay. This is not, I'm not happy. And he said, but you're, you've scanned her. Like she's, she's moving. She's okay. She's fine. And I was like, but I was like, that's a snapshot in time. I was like, I'm telling you, this, she's gone quiet over the whole weekend and she's not kind of got back to what she's like. It's very faint. It's not her. Da, da, da. Um, so I got him to ring back my consultant because he'd already rang him. Um, and I was like, tell him I am not happy. I was like, I am just very not happy. And so he did. And my consultant took it really seriously. He's like, what mum thinks matters an awful lot here. If she's not happy, he was like, if she's not happy, I'm not happy. I was like, keep her four hour CTGs and checking on the baby. And if it was any kind of change, you know, alert somebody and I was to be assessed and whatever. And I kind of thought, I felt it was like, he thought maybe I wanted to be admitted uh, or there was okay. some sort of, you know, I was like, I don't want to be, I can think of a million places I'd rather be than admitted alone without my husband in COVID with my toddler at home worried about my new like my unborn child I was like no so they admitted me I went up to the ward and back on unit three and I was thinking I was like um I just was so out anyway the midwives couldn't have been nicer to me and but they kept saying you need to get some sleep because you're going to have to be induced in the morning and I was like no I'm not being induced it's not happening I was like absolutely not happening some sort of magic is going to have to happen because it's not happening so I didn't sleep all night but I was texting um, my doula and she was kind of like you know this could be the last night that you're pregnant so you know do you want to take photos or like try and think and I it kind of gave me such a a, a mental like a shift kind of like yeah this could be my last night pregnant so I started taking photos and like trying to just be happy about being there and I was like because at that point I was like she's safe I'm safe everything is okay technically more or less um like they're not happy but so I started to kind of just be a little bit you know what's the word just yeah kind of enjoy the last bit because I was also thinking you never know this could be you know nothing for granted this could be my last pregnancy this could be my last time this could be my last bump this could be whatever so um next morning he came in and there was a gang and um the consultant and it was kind of like he checked and he's kind of like this baby needs to come out and I remember just I lost it and I was hysterical and I was like absolutely no way 100% not happening um so they were really kind they like really calmed me down I was by myself and that was what annoyed me too because I was like my husband's outside I could really do with a bit of support right now and um, like well what is it that's upsetting you the most and like how can we work like what what can we make how can we make this easier how can we you know so I kind of I just said that I was terrified to do it alone again I was like I just I, I'm just so terrified. I've done so much preparation. I had all of my ideas about, you know, being supported for as long as possible at home with my doula. So they couldn't, like, honestly, they couldn't have been nicer to me. So they were like, okay, well, what about an early move to the labour ward, an early epidural? Um, and everyone knows that you're really worked up about this. You really don't want to be induced. You're very upset. And everyone just goes above and beyond to be really nice to you and really supportive and really kind. So eventually I kind of was thinking, and I, I, I was also, my sensible side of me was thinking, your baby does need to come out like this is I'm not okay with the situation either I was just so afraid um yeah yeah no like I knew I was like I I agree I, I agree this baby is not okay in there 
but I also was like, but I don't, please don't make me do it. I was like, as though someone could just magic it away. Um, and I didn't want an elective section either. Um, I'm not even sure that that was even suggested or, but anyway, it was just a big crime mess. So they were like, okay. So I said, quick, put the gel in. And oh, they said as well, because I'd had two gels before, they'll do a half gel this time and take it slow because clearly like I, I took off last time. So we did half a gel and it was just worlds apart. And I think as well, it was because I felt like I was, I had a voice, I was able to advocate for myself, I was able to say no to an induction until it really felt like holding people ransom, until you meet my demands, until you do this and you support me this way and you whatever. Um, so true to their word, they I brought my yoga ball in, I was or my bouncy ball and I was bouncing on, I was doing yoga, I watched our wedding video and I just... Oh, good idea. Yeah, yeah well, it was like so cheesy because I was in behind it, we had, we had a singing chef for our wedding, so I watched that full half hour of him like slagging off our guests and I was like howling like to myself and I just, it was a, it was a, it was a decision I made where I was like, I'm going to enjoy this if, you know, I'm going to enjoy this. I was like, that's end of story. This is going to be different and... Um, I just felt way more in control, I think, as well. And it was just anything that anyone said to me, I was ready with my brain, you know, benefits, risks, what are the alternatives? What's my intuition saying? What happens if we do nothing? I was just ready. And so they they checked on me a million times. They were in and out. They used kid gloves with me. I could, I'm sure they were thinking this one, like, because <laughs> on paper, my like my birth is fine. My first, you know, nothing really terrible or out of the ordinary happened. It was just my take on it. My perspective of it was just, diff, you know, so, but they really nice. Now, I don't know, it might have said on my file as well that I was seeing the perinatal psychiatrist. So maybe they were thinking, I don't know. It could be nice to me. So they did, they moved me early to the labor ward. And I remember even walking over to the labor ward. I was getting early pains, um, but it was really different. So I snuck out and I rang my mom and I was like, hey, I'm in labor. And she's like, where are you ringing from? I was like, park. And she's like, are you loud? And I was like, I don't know. I decided it'd be easier to just ask for forgiveness than permission. So I just snuck out. So I was doing all this stuff where I was just like, no, I'm making this be my labor. Yeah. Fine, I'm trapped here. But I was like, you've done the checks. I know I've this time. So I went for a walk outside and I was kind of walking up and down the curb. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just really different. So I was on my way to the labor ward and they finally were like, um, we'll bring you over. I was having pains. I was having loads of contractions to my back, but I was just coping way better. I think I had my tens on and said, we'll move you over. And then I remember, sure, they're not going to let me eat. So I'm like, hang on, hang on. And I dare busting through my bag and like stuffing my face with like just anything I could grab. Because I was like, you never know. It's going to be a long labor. Who knows? You know? So I was just, I just felt way smarter and way more informed and just ready for it, you know. So arrived over, they, it was like the red carpet was rolled out. They were just like, come in, you know, you queen while you give birth. I'm like, thank you guys. Um, and the room was even nicer. Everything just felt really bright because when I was transferred the last time, it was the middle of the night. Um, but this time it was just super bright. And we like my labor playlist playing and all these happy, smiling midwives that were just, I don't know, did they get the happiest, smiliest ones to look after me or people with like a lot of patience? But um, they um, sorted me out. They were like, okay, we'll break your waters. This was all part of the plan. I'd agreed kind of in advance. And I was like, okay, fine. And broke the waters. And um, the midwife's face looked really panicked. And I was kind of like, what? What is it? Like, what? And she was, I was like, is it the cord? Is it the cord? Um, she's like, it's not the cord. It's the baby's hand. It's come out your cervix and it's holding onto my finger. Oh, and my I God. Like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, and I'm now at this point, I'm kind of crawling away from her up the bed because yeah. the hand is still inside me, like trying to get the baby's hand to let go and get back inside my cervix. And I'm screaming. And um, it was it was all very weird. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, of course, my baby's hand is coming out my cervix and holding on to the midwives. Of course. It was like, just felt like that's just that's so me, you know, it just needs that chapter. Like, um, I know, but it's I, it's so cute. <laughs> I know I was like oh how adorable I was like which hand I'm like oh let's stop 
Um, but I actually like I was I was like that's also so me to like be like it must be the cord I'm like Laura you know too much I was like stop scaring yourself you know um so she, she was like get such a person and there was a big flurry and they were like trying to like get, get it back up and I'm screaming because you know it was it was quite painful and yeah. later someone was like, why didn't they give you the epidural first and I was like I don't know <laughs> I was like I didn't think of that either um but I just wanted to be super controlled. Like it wasn't what I planned at all. I wanted it to be so, so different and so unmedicated and so using the word so repeatedly, but I just can't even emphasize that I had this plan and it all just went out the window when I went in and needed to be induced. I was kind of like, okay, well, I know what an induction for me is like and what my body is like. So I was like, I want this controlled. I want an epidural that works. I want, you know, I have a little list of my demands. And so they were great. And I said, upright. So they put me in like, you know, they switched the bed around. Oh, I got the epidural. Actually, and when they were, the woman went to put it in, I said, just so you know, the guy who tried to do it last time, it took him like five times. And it was just a nightmare. And he was just, and um, she was like, don't worry, I'll get it in straight away. And it went in straight away. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. It's a great day. And I like our labor playlist playing in the background. And it was just everything about it. Everybody just made it so, so nice. Um. So anyway, half the epidural in now, grand, happy days. Um, and then they put, I, so my waters are broken, epidural is in, and we're just on our way. And it just was so different. We were just kind of, I, I took a nap. But I was like, this is so different than the last time when I just, I'm like, what the hell? Um, so time passed on. And at some point I said, just having the lols with them, the midwives, they were in and out. And I think it was a, sh- a shift change and that was grand two. And at some point I said, I've got loads of pressure. And they're kind of like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, I've got a lot of pressure as in, if you told me there's a watermelon trying to come out, I'd be like, yeah, that's what it feels like. And they were like, oh, okay. Well, they had a look. And they're like, yeah, no, baby's like trying to come out. We'll just, you're fine. Everything's fine. Let's just let nature do its thing. So even though it was very medicalized, they were letting me, you know, I got my peanut ball. Mid, or my doula was great for that. Jen was like texting, like, don't forget the peanut ball or get them to sit you up, you know, in the queen's chair so that I was upright. So even though I was had an epidural and even though I was stuck in a bed, I was still getting my body into a position that was going to make it easy for the baby to come down, you know? So I did all that. And um, I said again, I, I know, but really, no, no, but guys, there's an awful lot of pressure. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it was like, okay, yeah, you're probably ready to push. Um, consultant came in and I think he must have been knocking around because he was, he was really, he was very fast. Anyway, and it was kind of like, let's go. And a couple of pushes and out she came and it was just so different. Um, and I, my, for my first, I wanted it recorded of my husband. But he's like, I want to enjoy the experience too. And I remember just being like, oh, for God's sake. But this time he was like, okay, we'll record it. So we the camera and he videoed it. Wow. Um, but the, cool. Yeah, we ran out of battery. He ran out of battery. Or ran out of memory just at the bit where the baby's about to come out. And I and I said it to him, but I was like, Ben wasn't the time to pick a fight over yeah. the fact that there was no memory. You know, so he whipped his phone out, but like on reflection, we were laughing, saying it, it reduced the quality of the images. So we we're like, not a bad thing. <laughs> um, so we have just it's just really fast. And as she's coming out, the midwife um was like, Oh my god, she's sunny side up. And I was like, I knew it because I was getting loads of back pain, it was a real back labor. Um, but everything was fine, and she came out and it just it would just it like healed a lot of the first. Yeah upset kind of thing you know that kind of way but I pulled her up to my chest and I was like straight away like there's something wrong with her there's something wrong with her there's something wrong with her and they're like no no she's fine and I'm like no no there's something she's not right she's not crying enough she's she looks different she looks strange and they were kind of like no she's fine you know but they got the baby doctors down they checked her over and they said no no she's fine but I was just convinced from really early on that there was something wrong with her um and she'd been fine through her scans and stuff except that 
which I only realized afterwards, her, her growth had slowed down. So she kind of stopped putting on weight and I didn't know. And I remember the consultant saying to me in my last appointment, he was like, if you are worried, it seemed really out of the blue on the way at the door. He's like, if you are worried, will you go in and get checked? And it was really kind of like pointed. And I, and I remember at the time being like, of course, yeah. Like, of course, why would I not? Um, and looking back, he, like he said, he noticed that the, the growth had totally slowed, but he was trying to decide, you know, you don't want to step in too soon. You don't want to worry me either. And like, maybe it was nothing. Maybe, you know, sometimes babies put on more or less weight and depending on the weeks and whatever. So I was convinced anyway that there was something wrong with her. And she latched okay, but she was just not a great feeder. She was just very sleepy. And um, yeah, like at the time it was all the buzz and was just so happy. But at the same time, I kind of knew that she wasn't feeding very well, even though she was feeding for a long time. I knew it wasn't really effective feeding. So I'd fed my first. So I kept saying that to myself, this is not your first rodeo. Like, you know, you know, it's fine. Um, so my husband was allowed to stay around and because the labor wasn't too busy, we were really lucky. He got to stay three hours. So that was nice. Um, we didn't have to, he didn't have to like head off immediately. Um, so move me to the, to the the room. Oh my God, like what's it called? Um, postnatal ward. Do that. But she just never, she never really fed very well. And like the, the doctor came around the next day for her full check and that was fine. And, but was having loads of trouble feeding her. And she wouldn't really latch, but she was, but it was just not great. And they were kind of checking her suck. And so we ended up doing hand hand, hand pumping, sorry, and syringing and trying to use cups. And there was all this faffing around. And I remember my doula at the time saying, don't leave the hospital. It's COVID. You're going to struggle to get out of the house. Don't leave if you're not happy with how she's feeding. I was just so desperate to get out of there because I was in there by myself. And I just didn't want to be, you know, the way I was like, just get me out of here. It's fine. We'll worry about it later. We'll figure it out. Be grand, be grand, be grand, be grand. So got her home and she's still not great. And she was very jaundiced and sleepy. And I was like, oh, it's just because, you know, she's a little bit early. She's just not quite cooked or anything. Um, and then it was like, so that she's born on, sorry, work it out. She's born on the Tuesday, was it? Sorry, Monday. Born on the Monday. And there, so it started to go on and I noticed her nappies were getting wet and drier and she wasn't feeding great. Now the doula came out, she came out, Jen came out that evening, which was really helpful. And she was watching me feed and kind of pointing out that it wasn't a f- great feeding. Like she wasn't swallowing as much as she should have. And um, we just weren't happy really with her. And I started trying to ring the next day and the public health nurse was a bit AWOL because their service had been cut because they'd taken a couple of the midwives and yeah. a couple of the public health nurses and made them go do um, COVID something or others um <coughs> excuse me sorry so there was just no support really on the ground and <coughs> sorry trying to organize um lactation consultant and everybody was online and she know that's not great either and and she thought that she had a tongue tie and we we're looking at videos a very confusing chaotic time but then it was Thursday night and I remember I was convinced she had a temperature and I was like I'm telling you that child's hot and she's hot so I was feeling like humming and hawing like is she not is she not is she, is she not? Um, I think we had a thermometer and it was some crappy thing. We got an Aldi that we kept meaning to upgrade to that fancy brawn one, which we now have done. But anyway, took her temperature and it didn't, didn't say it was a temperature, but I just was convinced she was having a temperature. Anyway, so by this point, I was sorry, I rang the, the postnatal ward that day and I said, it's been 36 hours without a decent nappy. I mean, they're gone really dry. And she's like, oh, she was weaning when she was in here. And like, I appreciate that, but now she's not. Um, I'm worried about her. And I went kind of back and forth and, everybody was just so worried about COVID. It was kind of like, just stay away. Just like, don't come near like COVID. Like, you know, so she was like, well, do you want to speak to the lactation team? And I was like, anybody, and there's something wrong. Like, like I'm, I'm not happy. And um, she's not feeding well. I know what feeding supposed to be like, and this is not it and whatever. So she put me through the feeding team and I spoke to one of the lactation consultants and 
you know, she was great over the phone, was able to kind of say how much is she taking, how much and when and whatever. Um, so we start top ups. We're like grand Um, started trying to do that. And the next day she was supposed to see me in person. I think she had no appointments. It was the end of the day, maybe or some. I can't even remember the detail. Next morning, I was supposed to go in with her, but I still wasn't happy. And it was Friday and brought her in and was kind of bundling in the door to the lactation consultant. I was kind of saying, there's something really wrong with her. I'm just, I'm not happy. She's she's very sleepy she you know she's um, she's like no no it'll be fine it'll be fine like whip her out we'll do kangaroo hold we'll do that and I'm like no no but no but no but really and and I just um I I wasn't very active in the whole thing I was so passive about it which you know I, I since regret but she took one look at her and was kind of thinking oh dear hang on okay we're going to go get the baby doctors and I was like thank you I was like thank you I just kind of because I felt like I was asking but nobody was really listening but I just I think looking back I just wasn't communicating it very well I just wasn't I should have just said there is something seriously wrong and I or I should just bundled her into the car and arrived but I just I was in the back of my mind thinking don't be like over anxious again mm. you know there's nothing yeah. wrong with her she's fine it's in your head the baby doctor's checked her she's fine you know, it's, it's all in your head you know so they saw her and I have a photo of it and she's just like this floppy, just slumped kind of lying there and they're checking her out and they, she was jaundiced, but they were like, the jaundice isn't bad enough to explain her presentation. And the next thing we knew, she was being taken up to NICU and they said they thought she was septic and she'd sepsis. And it was all a big, she, you can't take her home. She's not well. And she went into the little incubator and uh, lines and tubes and a big kerfuffle and a big panic and me just being kind of like how have I let it get this this point where I didn't cop what was going on and especially because I would have had some vague knowledge but I just I think it was my experience before I didn't want to be seen as worrying or causing you know wasting time I was like it's COVID times everybody's stretched it's terrible you know don't be wasting time and so she was diagnosed with a urinary tract infection and sepsis she was starting IV antibiotics, but they were like, but sorry, because it's COVID, you're only allowed in for two hours a day. And I remember being like, I oh, know. Um, they're like two hours and your husband isn't allowed in at all. And I remember just being like, sorry. And they're like, yeah, but you see, it was 15 minutes last week. So you're actually really lucky. And I remember thinking, oh my God, it was 15 minutes last week. Oh God, I am really lucky. But looking back, I'm, I, I don't know how I left, but I just cooperated. I was just so compliant because you do, because it's a hospital. And I was like, oh, I understand. Okay, whatever. Like, just help my baby, you know. Um, but she was in a private room because we were in admission from home. We had our own room because she had to be in isolation. So looking back, I'm like, what harm was I doing if I was in yeah. there two hours and one minute, two hours or four hours? It made no sense. I mean, it made more sense in, say, the, you know, the, the NICUs where there was like a row of beds and they were all on top of each other. But we were in the NICU where she had her own space and stuff like that. So um, that whole thing was just, I mean, I've talked about it so many times because I had to get it off my chest. I was just so... I couldn't understand it happened and I couldn't understand that people were okay with it happening that you know you separate you, you know go on about skin to skin and you know keep the baby close for feeding and I'm like or take them away for 22 hours a day I was like how does that make any sense as being in you know the baby's best interest or mine or yours two yeah. hours just seems it just seems so plucked from the air you know I was like this makes no sense um but at the time I also was I did this thing where it's fine I'm fine everything's fine it's going to be fine. No, this is not upsetting. No, it's fine. Two hours is fine. Sure. And I just kind of became more robotic about it. I just was like, I don't have time to fall apart about this right now. I've, I don't have time to be upset about it. I don't have time to be angry about it. I was like, I just, my job was to mind my toddler and pump around the clock and bring the milk up to the hospital and try to just get through because I was also very worried about it, you know? Um, so I started doing that. I, I'd rented from the dealer symphony and I was pumping away and, I'd, but you know, they, they have the babies on a, like a, the word, 
like a routine kind of thing. So she was, they were like, oh no, her next feed is at 12. So I'd be like, I'd be like in the car arriving with the milk at 10 to 12. You know, I would have tried to pump just lots so that I'd have loads of milk. And they're like, oh no, we fed her early because she was hungry. And I'm like, so, oh, I used to just, it was all these little things where you're like, you're, I was so badly wanted to breastfeed her but I nearly felt selfish for being like, I want to breastfeed her. Um, so I'm bringing up the milk thinking, knowing in the back of my mind, this is not helping the situation with breastfeeding because she was already so sleepy. And so not with it to that point that we were, I was feeding her myself, but then there was an awful lot of the faffing with the syringing and the cups and like, you know, um, so this went on and on and eventually she, she got out of that incubator and was into a normal bed and that was better. But I, wa- I walked in her screaming, crying, like screaming, screaming, the, the kind of hysterical that you just would just yeah. break your heart. And I would lift her, but she was so busy in there. I was like, there's not a hope. Nobody has time in here to lift my baby and comfort her and do skin to skin. And, you know, fourth trimester, like what's that? It was so I used to hate that I would leave her and I'd put her in her little bed and I would know, okay, she's happy now, but she's going to be crying in an hour and no one's going to lift her and she's just going to... So the whole thing is just like, sometimes I get so angry about it. I don't know how they did that to parents and how they did that to babies. And then other times I'm, I'm you know, I'm a little bit more rational. I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, they didn't know and COVID and stuff. And it... How long was she in there? Six days. So okay. I'm like, it could have been worse, could have been better. Six days, it felt like an eternity, but also, yeah, you know, some babies are in there three months, four months. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, it's like, it's really, and I think that I feel like the nurses felt that way too. I'm like, this was like a large, she was seven pounds at birth. So, I mean, she was a, compared with a little tiny micro preemie, you know, my baby probably just looked like a huge, not a bed blocker, but like, I'm sure they were just, anyway, I don't know. It's just the whole thing was very upsetting. and. Yeah. So I took her home and she was grand, but now I had to try and get her to latch because breastfeeding wasn't facilitated when we were there. It was very short windows of time and there was just no staff to try and help me um, try and get her latched on or take her in and out of the bed and try and unhook all the like wires and the juicy things and stuff. So um, I got a lactation consultant. It was all over Zoom um, and Chen would come out and we tried loads of different things, anything that could have that I could have done to try and get her to latch. And I was pumping away because we were pumping in the background. Um, but it was one of those things where I looked, I read and read and every suggestion I tried and I tried. It was just I was getting nowhere with it. And some people in my life were kind of thinking enough is enough, you know. And but I I became obsessed. and I was like, no, I was like, this is she's at the very least getting breast milk and I want her to latch again. And I tried. And so sometimes she would and I'd think we've cracked it. She's interested and um, she remembers or, you know, and then other times it was just having none of it. But while this was all happening, she started to um, have really bad colic. And she was just screaming night and day. And I mean, night and day. And my first baby was just like a normal garden variety, just normal baby, just, you know, sometimes cried. Sometimes at a witching hour, but it was all very just, just, I don't know. I don't even know what a normal baby is, but she was grand. But this poor Imogen on the second one, she just screamed night and day. And we would be walking the floors when she was rigid as a board and she just like stiff little, um, back on her and like tightly clenched fists and red face. And she would just scream and scream for hours. and we kind of didn't really know what it was and googling and oh purple crying colic um just overstimulated or you know you're kind of I was like is it NICU is it this is it um but while she was in NICU she was given formula sometimes when I didn't make it in on time with breast milk um and she started she got a big rash when she was in there um which they said wasn't thrush because sometimes you can get like a thrush kind of a thing after you but it wasn't thrush um so then I thought maybe she'd reflux and 
you know, you just, I fell down a rabbit hole of Googling. Like all I was doing was pumping all day and walking around while she screamed. So we, we just didn't know. And long story short, it turns out she did have severe reflux. So she started on a meprazole, you know, the, the tablet for the acid tablet. Um, but the pediatrician thought she also had cosmoprotein allergy. Okay. And yeah. And so there's a big crossover between that and soy allergy. So anyway, I had to exclude that from my diet and soya. And she was on the low sec. And she, she once we started the treatment and I pulled away from the the, the soya and the, the dairy, the rash improved. And it, the screaming came down a notch. But I, she was a very, very unhappy baby for a long, 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 long time, like months and months and months. Um, and then once we weaned, when she was much older, then we found out she had an egg allergy as well. So I was eating eggs the whole time I was feeding her and it was coming through my breast milk to her and I wouldn't have known. Um, so yeah that was her and I sometimes wonder on some days I'm kind of like is it was it NICU was she just so traumatized by being left for that many days crying or was it was it this or was it that or was it just luck is it because she had antibiotics and she wiped her gut microbiome and trying to like what's the word just um find some reason like I just I always wanted to know why I wanted someone to be like this is why this is why that happened um so I would spend hours reading and all these Facebook groups and somebody try and give me an answer um because she's very stuck on the whole thing um so she's grand now she's a barrel of laughs um but like she had a lot of problems for a long time you know um and yeah. and have you done anything since to try and um process everything your two experiences and just everything that you went through yeah um I found the so after all this happened at some point I remember thinking if only I'd had a doula on my first it would have been so different because on paper not many people would sign up to the birth I had on the second you you went for an early epidural and an early day and and I was kind of yeah I that was what I wanted that was my choice but on paper I know that that wouldn't have been people's ideal birth kind of thing and um, but I remember thinking because I had a doula and because I had Jen in the background it was kind of like I was supported the whole way and it, it made an objectively not great birth into something that I was very happy with and I walked away smiling about um if that makes any yeah. sense like I, I never wanted to, but I came away being like that was the best birth ever and you're like sorry you were you were what now and you're best birth ever so I remember thinking everybody should have a doula why does everybody not have a doula why is why what like how is how are people getting by without doulas this is crazy and then I remember thinking maybe I should be a doula um so I texted Jen at some point she's like is that a mad idiot like <laughs> she's like no um so I decided to train myself and I even feel going through the training of the doula was very healing um because even learning about this or even coming to the realization that oh it was was just birth not just birth trauma but a lot of it made more sense and I I set up an Instagram page and share things and I would share about that my experience it was like every time I shared it I felt a bit better and every time somebody dm'd me and said same happened to me I understand or something I felt it took the edge off it so it was like constantly connecting to other people who've been to some through similar situations that made me feel better well, thank you so much for 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 digging that deep and sharing as much as you did. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, you're very welcome. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch on the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, or you can send me an email, core at irelandsbirthstories.ie. I hope you have a good week and I will have another episode for you in a couple of days. Chat to you soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.